onto the up. I'm like, okay, so where's all this ghostly activity? And I put kind of, I kind of said it with air quotes, so to speak. And she's like, oh, well, you'll see. Right about midnight, a little bit after, I just hear this unearthly moaning. And it just, and it starts running low and silent, and then it just goes up into like a wail. It's about, oh, five o'clock in the morning, and she's like, so do you want to go down to the basement? And I'm like, why would we go down to the basement? And I'm like, I'm like, I think I've seen my ton of scary things for the night. And she's like, she's like, well, you want to see what's in the basement? Everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us today. We've got an epic show ahead, but just remember, if any of you have experiences you'd like to share, I'd love to hear from you. You can either email me at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com or head over to paranormalportal.net. Scroll down and find the button that says interview me, and that'll allow you to look at a calendar of possible times and dates and uh, find a date that works for you. Love to hear your stories, so definitely get in touch with me. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. We've got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today. I am joined by Tony from Utah, who is joining us to discuss his incredible experiences with the paranormal. So buckle up, it's going to get spooky. Hey Tony, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you so much for having me, Brent. It's an honor and a privilege and a pleasure. <laughs> Likewise, I I was just telling you before we started recording, it's like, this is literally what I love about doing these shows is talking to people who have had experiences and who've encountered things that are just beyond explanation. And so it really means a lot that so many people like yourself are willing to come forward and talk about these things. So, uh, you know, it's, it, it is, you know, a brave thing to do as well to just get out there and say, here's my story. So it really means a lot to me, brother. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. I mean, for me, it is. I mean, this is the first time I've actually spoken publicly about all my experiences I've had. Um, most of the time, I've talked to my family and stuff about it, and they just kind of shrug it off as like, "Oh, it's well, it's just Tony telling a story." So, <laughs> no, I hear you. I, yeah, it's not for everybody, of course, but uh, I'm I'm glad you're here. And so, can you kind of take us back to? Where did all this journey basically start for you, Tony? So I think for me, and this starts way back when, so when I was younger, about the age, I think about four or five or so, um, yeah. So my dad was uh, going to school. He was actually at a Minnesota University, and he was studying to be a psychologist. Um, just a little backstory there. Sure. And uh, he, and so... I was I was a very curious kid, very curious kid, as um as the children tend to be at those ages. Right. And um and so I woke up one morning, early on the Saturday, and there was this green-looking ethereal figure. I don't know what to call it, but it was like green. It looked kind of ethereal, and it looked like a bone that's kind of floating in the air. And so. I was curious about things. I was kind of curious about ghosts at the time. You know, just uh, your general uh, paranormal curiosity, I guess. Sure. And um, anyhow, um, I just woke up early and I was looking at it and I just kind of walked around. I was able to kind of like like circumvent it or like 
just kind of walk around and circle around it. I was able just to kind of look at it, and it looked like it was a it was like a chicken bone oh. or like some bone just floating in the air. And I thought this is weird, so I'm like, oh, I'll go get my dad. Well, my dad, of course, doesn't like being woken up on a weekend. I mean, who who wants to be woken up on a weekend? Right, right. And so, and so I, he actually woke up. He came down and he looked at it with me, and we both kind of looked at it. And he looked at it kind of. He looked at it rather objectively because he's studying to be a psychologist and getting his PhD in psychology. And he's just looking around, looking at it. And he's like, "Well, could it be like a trick of the light?" So we go over and we flip on the light, and of course, it, and of course we can't see it because the light's on. And then we flip it back on, and it's still there. So I don't know if it was a trick of the light, or it was actual like something that was ethereal, that mm-hmm. phantasmagoric, or just you know, ghostly. But it did, it did get me thinking. So I'm not sure if that was a ghostly experience or not, but it did kind of get the juices flowing, so to speak. Sure. And how big? How big would you describe this as? Oh, in length, I would say, like, I recall, like, maybe, like, like an inch or so. In length? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah in like an inch in length, maybe a little bit less. Okay, so it was tiny. And then, tiny. I, yeah, 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 it was tiny, and it was, and it was round. And in my head, I kept thinking it was like a witch's bone or a chicken bone or something. Right. But that's just my, that's just my, uh, my childhood brain. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's that's an unusual thing. Do you think it, uh, as you think back on it, do you think it might have been more of an orb, but it was just looked like the shape of a bone or something along that nature? It could have been. I mean, I've, I, I've actually gone back in my memory multiple occasions. Yeah. Sometimes before I go to bed, just wind up thinking about things, thinking about things in my, in my younger childhood. And I, and yeah, I don't know what that was. I mean, it could have been an orb, mm-hmm. but then I don't know if it was a trick of the light or if it was something else. But it did get me thinking. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and how did your dad? Did your dad just basically leave it at that? Like, uh, well, we don't know what it is. Let's uh, go get some breakfast. <laughs> basically, was he wanted to go back to bed, and I just stayed up. <laughs> and how long did this thing linger there? This this weird object. It. Well, it was it was there until until I decided to go back to bed, and then when I when I woke up later on um, that day, it was gone. So, uh, wow, that's that's an incredibly unusual thing. I mean, I, I I don't think I've heard of someone seeing something like that uh, that was just so peculiar. You know, it it seems kind of ambiguous, but and yet it was it was incredible because it shouldn't have been there. But it's just such an oddity, right? Yeah, definitely. And the thing I really appreciated was my dad actually came and instead of just brushing me off, he came down and he actually took the time to look at it and at least help me maybe assimilate or or create some sort of explanation. But sure. For me there was really no explanation. Yeah. That's so so I appreciate that. Yeah, that is that is true. I, I, I can't tell you how many stories that I've covered and how many people I've talked to who, when they went to talk to the parents, was like, oh, it's just your imagination, go back to bed, you know, without helping, yeah, exactly. without helping a child process this weird stuff, you know? So that is cool. Yeah. Huh. 
Okay, so what happens next? So um, next, um, my dad, he, he graduates. He uh, gets his uh, PhD, and then uh, shortly after that, we he gets a job in uh, Utah. And so we move to uh, Utah. Okay. And um, and while living in Utah, we lived in this uh, in this fourplex of apartments because we because we weren't necessarily ready to get a house yet. Because my dad had barely graduated, and I'm sure there were lots of things involved with um, my student debt, getting other things taken care of. Absolutely. Uh, before we could even look into getting a house, so um, what happened next wasn't necessarily a a, like a paranormal experience, but it was more of like, it was more like, and like, I feel like there are, that there are feelings you can get. There are things that kind of guide you in regards to keeping you safe. Mm-hmm. And some people call it like a second sight. Other people tend to call it like, um, like warnings or like guardian angels. Sure, I, I've heard I've heard it referred to with that, mm-hmm. um, but so me and me and a bunch of friends we were playing in this in this in this old empty truck, and it was filled with all kinds of sorts all sorts of garbage, and there was all sorts of like oh like just just lots of doodads, lots of old tools, um, old parts of tools, uh, just sitting in the truck, and we were and we were just messing around doing things that kids do. And then um, while we were playing in there, I got this distinct impression. Yeah, yeah, it was it was an impression where I felt, Tony, you need to get out of there. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm like, okay. And so I just sat there just kind of doing my thing. And then it came again. It's like, Tony, you need to get out of there. And so I'm like, okay, it's happened twice. So maybe I had to do something. So I get out of the truck and do my own thing. Well, as I was getting out, one of my friends slipped, um, slipped on something in the trunk, fell and cut his arm on the circular saw. Oh, wow. On the circular saw way that was there. Oh. And so had I not moved, um, I would have gotten hurt. Oh, man. And your friend was pretty hurt? Yeah, he was hurt pretty bad. I think they had to take him in and get, get him stitches and stuff and, oh. and all that. But Wow. So, yeah, someone seems to have looked out for you there, huh? Yeah. So I don't know if it was like a guardian angel or if it was just someone just someone out there just saying, hey, we need to keep an eye on this kid because he's obviously up to up to no good. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good that's a good story. I think I, I wish there was more kind of spiritual presences like that helping people out. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. And. And so, yeah, and so after that, I really didn't have any more, um, any more, like, impressions, you could say, or or anything like that until I uh, started into uh, junior high. And now, prior to that, I was reading all kinds of books on the paranormal. I was just totally into, like, just, Goes, um, vampires really big into vampires, um, werewolves, um, you name it. I read it and I wanted to learn all about it. Alien, mm-hmm. 
it's just 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 the whole just kind of the whole genre of the uh, paranormal and also considered the uh the outside or the fringe kind of topics that people don't necessarily talk about but sure. it's interesting to read and i got into this i found this really interesting writer i don't know if you've she's kind of a young adult writer she's english her name's uh, Danielle Cohen. I'm Have not, you heard of her? No, I'm not familiar with that name. Yeah, she she wrote a lot about like like um just paranormal things. Like she wrote about the hairy hands. Have you heard about that? No, I don't think I'm familiar with the hairy hands. So in the hairy hands, it's, it's this one road over in England where or whatever, and it was and only happened during like the late sixties, early seventies, is where this. Um, is where people would go driving, and suddenly these hairy hands would um, would would appear and then grab their steering wheel and then cause them to crash. Now, 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 I don't know if it's been debunked or not, but just a story I remember reading. Yikes! Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. So, and that's kind of the stuff I was reading, and so I would go to the library, and I loved the library. The library was like my was like my best friend. Wow. And so and so in in just being at the library, I ended up running into like I guess you could call her like my first um childhood crush, so to speak. Okay. And we'll just call her Stephanie. Okay. Anyhow, so um Stephanie and I Stephanie and I meet up and we just start talking and we we just kinda of meet up meet up and we happen to have the same lunch time. So we just end up chatting and chatting and talking and and going through kid stuff and kid stuff that you would you would actually do when you're in junior high. Right. And uh, while I was talking with her, we we eventually got onto the subject of like the paranormal. And she's like, "Well," I said, "Well," she's like, "Well, do you believe in ghosts?" And I'm like, "Kind of." And she's like, "Well, I believe in ghosts." And I'm like, "Really?" <laughs> And then, and then the conversation proceeded, and we just kept going back and forth. And then she finally was like, "Well, the reason why I believe in ghosts is that my house is haunted." Uh-huh. And at that point, I hadn't really had any experiences with the paranormal, like up close and personal sure. uh, experiences with the paranormal. But I'm like, "Okay, I'm curious. You piqued my curiosity." And she's like, "Well, let's." Let's find a way for you to have a sleepover at my place. Now, the problem was is that we were both like twelve and thirteen, <laughs> and and I knew my parents wouldn't uh, go for that at all. I mean, it just wouldn't go over. But she talked to her parents, and her parents were okay if I slept over and stayed over. But I knew my parents would, so we had to kind of be a little bit. How, how would I put it? <laughs> Did Stephanie become Steve in your parents' version? <laughs> well, so my parents really didn't know about Stephanie, and so and and they would like to know about my friends before I even did anything of that sure. of that nature. So I kind of had to be less than truthful on how um <laughs> on, on how we ended up there. So we got everything arranged, and 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 I. And I was able to get over there, and so we're just sitting there, just kind of watching movies and just kind of hanging out, doing doing our thing. And her parents were nice enough to get to make us dinner, and 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 they they did all the nice hosting stuff that you would do when 
had someone over, but her parents go to bed. And then I'm sitting up. I'm like, okay, so where's all this ghostly activity? And I put kind of, I kind of said it with air quotes, so to speak. And <laughs> she's like, oh, well, you'll see. And I'm like, I'll see what? And so we're just sitting there and we're just sitting there. And then right about midnight, a little bit after, I just hear this unearthly moaning. Jeez, and it just and it starts running low and silent, and then it just goes up into like a wail, and it just kept, and and the sound just and it just kept fluctuating, so it kind of kept going from like a quiet to a low to a high, and then back down, and it just kind of did that, and it did that for quite a while. I'm not sure how long it, I'm not sure how long it was, but it was loud and it was noisy, and I just can't help but think that. Why didn't the parents wake up? Yeah. Why weren't the parents not waking up and checking on things? But maybe it wasn't something that happened so often that they were used to, or I don't know, maybe, and this is something I've thought about, that maybe that ghosts or paranormal apparitions have the ability to to um, only let those who they want to have things heard heard by the people they want them to hear. I would agree wholeheartedly. In, in fact, I've covered stories where people have been walking in a group, and uh, let's say it's a group of five people. Three of those people will hear a loud scream, and two of them are like, what are you talking about? So I agree. There does seem to be a precedent for the fact that, you know, they they can choose or or just maybe due to the sensitivity of, of both of you versus yeah. the parents that you were able to perceive it, but, you know, they weren't. So, yeah, there is, yeah. there's merit to what you're saying for sure. Yeah, so, so that's kind of what I, I, I was, what I concluded on my own. And so... And so this this wailing went on for a while at least, and that stopped. And then I'm like, "Okay, is that it?" She's like, "Oh no, it gets <laughs> it gets worse." And I'm like, "What do you mean worse?" And she's like, "Wait till three o'clock." And of course, that is uh, the time that a lot of things tend to happen. I I know from a lot of um, sure. research and. And whatnot is that three o'clock tends to be like the witching hour, so to speak. Yep, yep, absolutely. And and so and and so I'm like, well, what happened at three o'clock? She's like, well, let's go down to the kitchen about three o'clock and we'll see what happens. So we go down to the kitchen, and um, we're just kind of hanging out, just kind of doing our thing. And three o'clock rolls around, and oh my gosh, pots and pans were just banging around. Um, Chairs were being moved. Oh, wow. uh, and like a knife, like knives out of the knife block were being just like flung into the door because they had a door to their kitchen. It was quite the experience. Yeah, that's some incredible ex- uh, activity. And I'm like, Stephanie, I'm not going in that kitchen. She's like, oh no, I don't expect you to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And so, and so. Finally, after everything just comes down, and it took a while for everything to come down, we go in there, and the kitchen's just a mess. The kitchen's just a mess. Chairs just knocked over. Um, the knives are still in the door. So 
so I, I'm helping her clean everything up, and we're just kind of getting everything messed up. And she's like, "Yeah, we better clean it up because if my parents come down and see, if my parents come down and see all of this, they're just going to blame me." So I'm guessing something like this has happened before, sure. and so her parents just kind of hold her accountable for it. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's harsh. So yeah, so we get everything cleaned up. It's about oh five o'clock in the morning, and she's like, "So, do you want to go down to the basement?" And I'm like, "Why would we go down to the basement?" Uh-huh. And I'm like, "I'm like, I think I'd seen my of scary things for the night." And she's like, "She's like, well, you want to see what's in the basement?" So she takes me down to the basement, and down in the basement, there's there's a stone altar that's been built. Oh, okay. And so. Yeah, I don't know what it was used for. She doesn't really know what it was used for. But golly, it was, yeah, the stone altar. Um, she she said that they found, like, this old book that was right by it. So it could have been used for, um, I don't know. I hate to I hate to say, like, satanic purposes, but I don't know. I, I don't want to go there because I don't know. And yeah. she didn't know. Sure. But, yeah, so she thinks that, or she thought, or and we kind of both thought that what was happening was based off of that altar and the book she found. And her parents saw the book and really didn't think anything of it, and they just threw it away, so. Oh, man. Yikes. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that was, like, my first really, really big experience, like, oh. <laughs> so the paranormal was real, I yeah, I guess it was the baptism by fire, so to speak. Yeah, no doubt. Now, when you went to the basement, you saw this this altar, for lack of a better term. And and can you describe what that looked like just a little bit, so I have an understanding? Because I'm thinking of like two rocks with a rock on top, or is it bricks, or what was it constructed? Of? Um, it was made of bricks. It was okay. kind of like a little, kind of like a stone tower made of bricks. Okay. And then it was moved off with some cement. Okay. okay. And the there weren't any symbols that were written in it or anything. It was just, it was just, it was just an altar. Okay, is what, is what she called it. So you saw this down there. Was there any accompanying activity to that, or was it just the creepy factor of this altar just sitting there in this weird basement? Well, you, well, when you went down into the basement, you got the vibe like you don't want to be down there. Oh, and I just got this icky feeling like I don't want to be down there. But we went down there just because. A, to satiate our curiosities, and B, I was, I kind of wanted to know if there was, like, a reason as to why everything was happening and why things had just gotten so out of control. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's creepy. That's a lot for a young mind to have to suck up, yeah? That's that's true, that's true. Now, what's interesting is um, I would drive past that house for years and years and years, and then... um, one day I just saw it being torn down and now it's not there anymore. And then, and then other houses are in the place. Oh, wow. Okay. Was it a, was it a so, beat up house back then or was it, is this a, it, it was in a pretty decent condition, I would say. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, maybe there were, maybe there were, go ahead. I, I was thinking maybe there's other reasons like the, the kitchen exploding every night at 3 a.m. or whatever. They decided to no. like that. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Uh-huh. Who knows? But but it, it it was it was pretty 
that was definitely pretty creeptastic, that's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so this house is gone, and and where are you going now? Where are you taking us? So from there, I from there, um, unfortunately, after that incident or that situation, me and Stephanie kind of lost contact. She she uh, things got kind of awkward, mm-hmm. and and so we just kind of went our separate ways. And I haven't really been in contact with her since. I mean, I've actually attempted to look up, I've tried to look her up on Facebook and stuff, but I can't find her. Okay. So she does not really be into the social media thing. Okay, gotcha. But anyhow, I'm moving along. So, so, so right after uh, junior high, of course, you go to high school. And when I started in, when I started in high school, I, I, um, I started having um, a lot of deja vu. Okay. And so I think that's kind of interesting yeah. is that um, a lot of things that I would realize that I'd done in class, I also, I also had, I also went back and realized that I had dreamt about it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. No, I don't know. And I still have a deja vu to this day, which is kind of interesting. That's... It's not it's not as prevalent as when I was younger, but I still have it from time to time. Like like there was like about like four months ago, I was working in my office and I stood up and then I looked a certain direction and I saw a coworker and I'm like, oh oh yeah, I had a dream about this. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if my deja vu is just like meant to say, hey, I, you still have it, or B, you can use it to, you know, you you can, I guess what I'm, I guess, I guess what I want to say is I don't know how to use it effectively, if I can use it effectively. Okay, yeah. So it just seems kind of random, like just, and there's nothing that poignant about these events, but you know you've seen them before in a dream, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that'd be nice to be able to dial dial that in, especially like if you could if you could aim it towards lottery numbers. That'd be pretty amazing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Wow, I'd be sitting pretty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that's pretty cool though. I, I, you know, I don't know. That, I mean, that's that's probably a a pretty rare thing. Um, I know that I've heard of people having dream premonitions many times, but um, generally speaking, they seem to be usually geared towards these. Very powerful events, like oh, the you know the plane crash, kind of for uh, foreboding or or vision or something of that nature, where it's such a a, a powerful event that it seems to punch yeah. through time and and come to people in a psychic way. But but these are just kind of everyday walk of life events. But still, that's a powerful thing. Yeah, and so so yeah, so so those kind of play a part in my life, and then I'm moving along through my high school experience, um, I got involved in, it, it, it's kind of like an outset. I got involved in the program. It kind of helped people who were shy, who were, who were kind of maybe not so mm-hmm. able to like communicate and not really, well, not necessarily communicate, but it was more of they, it basically helps shy kids kind of become more comfortable with 
getting out there, meeting new people, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But got involved with this uh, program and extracurricularly, they, they'd have you uh, do things. And then it was kind of based on an honor system where you could accumulate points. So like if you got so many points and you did so many things, um, according to their guidelines, you could get pops or you could get candy or you could just kind of get little 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 trinkets or, or doodads, so to speak, okay. that um, to reward you for uh, participating in the program. Well, one thing I would do was wake up early. And so I would wake up early, make breakfast and um, do my thing. Well, one morning I woke up early and I had my I had my breakfast. It was my oatmeal that I would usually make. And I sat down at the table, and I was wide awake. I was completely wide awake. I was not asleep. I was not feigning in and out of, um, like, feigning in and out of just okay. sleeping there or anything. But I saw my bowl of oatmeal move all by itself on the table. And it had to move at least a foot, at least a foot. But it, it it just it just moved across the table, wow! And I'm just looking at it like, whoa, what's going on here? Right. And and not only did that send a jolt of adrenaline through me, but it also woke me up as well, even more. Right. And I'm like, what's going on here? And so I pick up the boil thunder and I look around it. There's nothing there. There was nothing there. The table was even. I even like measured the table. Like later on that day, I come home. I'm like. So something must have happened. Like there must have been like a table, or there must have been like an earthquake or something. And sure. and unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately, Utah hasn't had a, an earthquake at least until it was uh, in 2020. We had our first pretty big earthquake wow. that, that a lot of people felt, but okay. and no earthquake, nothing, nothing like that. But the bowl of oatmeal moved, and that was pretty. That is exciting and. And here's the thing, and this is why I love talking to people because, you know, we, we're kind of conditioned for the paranormal to be like poltergeist, you know, where there's furniture flying and stuff like this. But I've always said that, you know, even if it's just a small thing, like your cereal bowl moves, that's incredible because they're not supposed to move on their own. They're you know, just, that's no. not supposed to happen. So that's a huge, huge event. Yeah, and so, and so I woke up and I went up to see if my parents were awake. My mom and dad, my dad was still sleeping, and and so I'm like, I don't want to bother them. But sure, that was for me. That was really profound. That was really profound because yeah. I'm like, and then of course that just threw me back into the whole, um, the whole experience I had with Stephanie, right. and I'm like. Hmm. Is something following me? Is something attached oh, to me? Sure. But I really didn't feel like anything was attached to me. I didn't really feel like, because yeah. I feel like a lot of these things are vibrational, mm -hmm. and so I've, I've and so I've done my best to kind of keep my 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 vibrations at a higher level, so that way, so that way something won't attach to me. Sure. Yeah. I think that's marvelous. So so kind of so just kind of thinking on on that aspect is just kind of keeping my vibrations. And so, and so that experience, although scary was really, really profound for me, I think. So was, and I feel, 
this was kind of a, just a one-off event, though, right? I mean, it's not like your your yeah. cereal bowl had moved often, or you'd seen other things moving. It's just out of the blue, this bowl moves. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was just, yeah, yeah. We hadn't really had any anything else. We hadn't really seen anything else. I know my brothers and sisters. I haven't really talked to my. I mean, I have talked to my brothers and sisters about things like this, but they just kind of shrug it off, like whatever. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. People, people really grasp pretty desperately under their paradigms, and when things like this are discussed, it makes a lot of people uncomfortable because they just don't want to. They don't want to go there. That's not where they feel safe and yeah. secure. So, yeah, I mean, I get yeah. that completely, and and I don't blame them. It's it's not a it's not a judgment at all. It's just some people are no. willing to no. embrace possibilities, and other people are just fine with things the way they know they're to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. and so. So after that, I graduated, and our family is a rather religious family. Mm-hmm. We we kind of live we live in a, a, a rather religious community, and so I ended up serving a mission for uh, for the church that uh, that we belong to, mm-hmm. and I went to the Netherlands, which was a really really which was a really really interesting place to be because there was just being nineteen years old, and then. And then going to like a completely different country was just That's that was just out of this world, right? Wow. And so while I was there, I didn't really have any any like paranormal experiences, but the deja vu, the deja vu kicked in, and I would, and every time I went to a new area or a new place within the country, and even into places in the Belgium, um, I would always. The deja vu wouldn't let me know that I was going to have a new companion and who they were. I didn't know who they were at the time of the dream, but I knew, but I knew that I had seen them before because I could recollect from my memory that I had dreamt about it before. Oh, cool! Wow. So, I mean, I guess in a way that kind of helped out with, um, oh, yeah. with the with the deja vu. But it was, it's just a little. I, I think it's really kind of interesting. Yeah, it really is. What that's a cool thing too, because I guess you're not going to get surprised very often. <laughs> well, I'm I'm genuinely surprised with a lot of things. Hopefully, not <laughs> not many, but mm-hmm. you know, that's really that's cool. So, how long were you over in the Netherlands? I was there for a couple of years. Okay, but other than the, the other than the premonitions or or. Visions from dreams. There wasn't a whole lot uh, paranormally. No, nothing that I can recall. Okay. okay. I mean, and there may have been, and I would just oblivious to it. No. Sure. Yeah. And so it's just yeah. Okay. And so after 
And so after I get back from the Netherlands, I I work in uh, I started working in uh, group homes with people who had uh, with people who had disabilities, and I worked for this company, and they and I'd worked for them for at least about two three years at the time, and they said, "Hey, you want to work a night shift?" And I had never worked a night shift before, so I'm like, "Okay, I'll I'll go do this." It it's fine by me. I'll I'll go work the night shift, and um, and so I got all my drinks and I got my Mountain Dews and I got all my my caffeinated beverages to keep me awake and 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 I started working in that. I started working, and this place that I was working at used to be an old hospital. Oh, okay. And so, and so. And so I got the I got the patient all settled in and tucked in and I started getting things ready because you're supposed to do his laundry. And then after you do his laundry, then you bring it up and, and you fold it and just kinda of do odds and ends around the around around his apartment to kinda of keep things to kinda of keep yourself awake so you're not sleeping because sleeping is of course a no no. Sure. And so and so and so and so I got this guy all settled in. I Got him, I got him all set up then. I made sure he was fast asleep. And then I collected up his laundry and I went down to the basement. And that's where they had the laundry room. And upon a further, upon further, oh, upon further investigation, I found out that the basement used to be the mortuary. Oh, okay. Yikes. And so I, I, found, this about, I found this after the fact. So, I go down to the basement, and there's this dark, dark feeling in the basement. It's almost palpable. It's like you get almost like, yeah, like with on your tongue or something. Like you could taste it. Sure, but I didn't want to taste it. And so, um, and so, and so I'm, and so I'm just walking. I'm just walking to this basement. I'm like, I don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. And but but I had to because I had to go get the laundry started. So I go, so I go and got the laundry started and got everything washing and and going and i could just feel this this oh it was it was a very heavy presence very heavy very dark like oh i need to get out of here so i got out of there i went in went upstairs checked on the patient make sure he was okay he was still fast asleep and then i went back down i went back downstairs and again there's that really just heavy feeling it was really dark and so the laundry had finished Move the laundry over, put it in the dryer, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get out of here. So I got out of there. It's out of my cut. Waited for about 45 minutes, an hour, until I until I knew the laundry was dry. Went down there, and again, I'm just still in that dark, heavy presence. Like, and it was, I was getting a headache from it. I I was like getting physically affected by it. I was just not feeling. Yeah, I was just not feeling it at all. Yeah. And so I get the laundry out, I grab it, and I drop a rag on the floor and and right as I go to and run right as I go to grab the rag, the rag just lifts up off the ground and it gets flung across the room. And I'm like, Okay. Oh no. Okay. All right. And and then I just said out loud, you know what? You don't want me in here. I don't want to be in here. I'm gonna go and so I grab the rag grab the rest of the laundry that I dropped and go back up to the room and I don't go 
and I didn't go back into the basement for the rest of the night. Yikes. I don't blame you. That's that's creepy. And I'm not sure what it is about basements, but, God, there's some basements where they seem to really yeah. collect a lot of energy. But if that used to be a morgue, then, you know, maybe there's a lot of bad energy down there. Yeah, I think there's a lot of bad juju, that's for sure. <laughs> wow. that's That's got to be terrifying. And after that, I politely asked the um, manager, the program coordinator, to not have me work night shift in that uh, facility because, no. Did you go into specifics or did you just say, no, I don't like it? You know, I, I didn't really want to go into specifics because <laughs> I didn't feel comfortable. Sure. And I didn't want, I didn't want to be called into question. Yeah. Because I knew, because I know that I would be called into question, especially if you bring up situations like that that people are going to question you and they're going to say oh well you're just making up stuff or whatever and i'm like no 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 right no sure no i don't blame you i'm not i'm pretty sure i wouldn't either if i had traded places with you i was just curious if if it was known if there was a known fact that the basement was creepy after dark with other people there or was that just your own experience well, that was my own experience, and I really never talked to anybody else who okay. worked with him or worked in that facility or, or worked in or worked with his in his apartment. So okay, gotcha. Because there were multiple apartments across the way, and and and, and some of them had um, just regular tenants, mm-hmm. and others had kind of kind of like um, um, low income housing for people with disabilities. Oh, okay, gotcha. Huh. very good. So where do we go now, sir? So after that, um, I got into CNA work. I, I went I went on and realized that I really couldn't do much with what I was doing. So I got into CNA work. I got my CNA license. And oh, golly, there are a lot of experiences there. Yeah. Goodness. Um, let's see. In the first, so I, I worked at this. Uh, I worked at this one place, um, and and it was here. It was here locally. Um, I worked there, and and I and I worked in. I worked all across the floor and stuff. It was it was just one. It was just a one floor building. They didn't have like um, multiple floors or anything. Um, I remember. I remember working on. So they had a lockdown unit, or our memory care unit, and then they also um, had their. They're just their main their main floor, and so I worked I worked on that quite a bit. Okay. Um, and then and then and then I and then I got and then I ended up getting moved over to the memory care unit, and then on the memory care unit is where um is where I yeah I I just liked it though I liked it on the memory care unit and I liked uh, working with the patients and the residents and so. Again, I, I kind of feel like I get suckered into this, but they're like, hey, Tony, do you want to work a night shift? <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll work a night shift. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so I get all set up and I work a night shift. And, and, and I mean, I, I'd known from working, um, working the swing shift that, um, a lot of people from the day shift didn't really clean up much, and they and swing shift didn't really clean up much. So I just went around doing my usual thing, cleaning up wheelchairs and just making sure that just making sure that 
the unit was nice and ready for the next day. Mm. And so I, I remember putting away a wheelchair and I knew I had put it away. But I, so I ended up walking just down the hall, just kind of walking around the hall, just making sure the patients are okay. And I'm walking. So I walk to the end of the hall and have, and in the back, they have like a little small, a small little uh, gated courtyard where the, mm-hmm. where the, uh, where the patients and residents can go out and just kind of get some fresh air and then go back in so they don't feel like they're, they're like in jail or anything. Right. And I'm walking back towards the entrance of the uh, unit and I get this weird feeling like I'm being followed oh. and I'm like and I'm like okay what's going on and so I turn around and look and there's a wheelchair just following me and so I'm like okay okay what am I gonna do and so I thought I thought to myself well, I could get scared but I'm like I don't want to get scared so I decided I'll walk around in circle maybe I can deter it I walk around in a circle and it just follows me tit for tat, just rides around in that circle. <laughs> and that what kind of scared me uh, crap was. Oh my God. Yeah, that's that's all kinds of creepy. Wow. And so I'm like so I'm like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And I just I made the beeline for the door. I said, you know what? I talked to the charging nurse. I'm like, you put someone else in there, I'm sitting out here for the night. Let someone else go in there and figure it out because I'm not going to figure it out. Oh, jeez. And they were they were able to do that. Then they were able to accommodate that. Um, I made sure that they were able to accommodate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being followed by an empty wheelchair, I think, is enough to make anybody want to check out for the night for sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, they couldn't leave because I didn't want them abandoned, and I wanted to keep my job, but. Um, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, switch, switch me out. And I explained it to the nurse and, and then it's like, oh yeah, that happens all the time. And I'm like, well, thanks. You know, and that's true because I, in the years that I've been doing this show, one of the hotspots consistently is old <laughs> hospitals. Old hospitals are huge. And, and I guess, you know, as I've said before, it makes sense. The, you know, there's, there's so many, uh, powerful things happening in hospitals. Life begins, life ends, people are in torment, people are in joy, you know, welcoming new members of the family, you know, so it's this whole, yeah, like, a well, soup and, of emotion. Oh, and not to cut you off, I just wanted to be clear, this wasn't at the hospital, this was at a care center. So, well, yeah. I apologize, I didn't make that no, clear. No, no, I think you did, but in in any case, I'm, I'm speaking in general hospital settings, you know. Yeah, you know. yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but you were you you yeah. That's that's a lot of activity for one person to endure. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, I have more if you want me to continue on, or we can stop it here and just keep going. It just depends on what you're able to do. No, go ahead. Go ahead and and and. Okay, sweet, more. sweet, sweet, sweet. So so after that. I did um, some home care and hospice, and I really, you know, you know what's interesting is I saw more activity in like nursing homes and care centers than I did with home care and hospice. Oh wow! Okay. Because I did because I haven't seen any because I can't because I didn't do I didn't see any um like paranormal activity in like um like with home care and hospice. So I don't know if it was just because maybe they they had their house cleansed or they maybe. They may be working on a higher vibrational level. 
I don't know. But sure. and nonetheless, I thought that was a kind of an interesting little side note or sidebar, at least, to, to go on with. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So so the next the next thing home I worked at, um, I remember working um, some night shifts, but I didn't see any paranormal activity. But a lot of the residents and a lot of the patients would, would talk about uh, seeing um, these two kids who would um, go around and be giggling and stuff. So I don't know, and I don't know if they were um, actual kids or maybe entities pretending to be kids, but who knows? Right. All right. So so from there, I worked at um, a couple other um, nursing homes and care centers. Um, I really didn't have many paranormal experiences until I came to... Um, the last um, uh, care center that I worked at, it was in assisted living. I never really worked in assisted living, okay. but I figured I'd give it a shot. I was getting pretty burnt out by this point. Mm. At this point, I'd been I'd been a CNA for over fifteen years. Wow! Yeah, that's a long run. And so, and so, I was just really, really just tired of the the uh, CNA. Yeah. Um, and seen a uh, type of thing. So I thought, well, maybe if I do something different, like in a completely different environment, I could, um, I could kind of maybe switch things up a little bit. So, so I, I ended up, I ended up working at this assistant living, um, worked there for a while. Um, things were great the first year, um, into the second year had, um, kind of had a little bit of a falling out with one of the staff members and so and so in order to like save face with everything going on they offered me a position to work nights <laughs> and i ended up working nights in their memory care unit and that also worked and i also worked some nights on um so so they had so, so the memory care unit which was the assistant living more more assistant living and then of course they had like the the generalized assistant living where the when the uh, patients and uh, people who lived there didn't need that much assistance. So what? So so I was kind of familiar with both sides of the facility. And one thing I one thing I know that happened when I worked um, at night when I was outside on the outside was that about oh I don't know what time it was, but it was during the night that you would hear. Someone running across the hallway upstairs because it was a bi-level facility. Oh, okay. And and it would happen every night. It would happen every night. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to catch this person. I'm going to catch whoever's. I'm going to catch whatever's going on. And so they have. And so they have multiple stairways going up there. So I figure, what I'll do is when I hear the person running. I'll run up the stairs the other on the other end, and then see who's running across the hallway. Right. Okay. And and so I hear and so I hear the the running across the hallway. I run up the stairs. No one's there. Absolutely, no one's there. It's and and then the running stopped by the time I got up there. Oh, jeez, that's so creepy. And so I'm like, okay. And then there were multiple occasions when I worked in just the 
in this memory care unit that doors would open by themselves. Um, we had just doors would open a lot by themselves. Like we'd have to go through and do a round and we would make sure all the doors were closed and then we would go back to check on people during those rounds or even in empty rooms, the doors would be open. <laughs> wow. That's... And sometimes, and sometimes we would, uh, and sometimes we would, I would close the door and then I would walk away and then they could hear the door open by itself as I was walking away. So it was really that quick, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. There's something about you and night shifts doesn't work very well, does it? <laughs> oh, I, I've long since given up the night shifts. That actually, my the following job I had, I went to days and I absolutely loved it. And then shortly after that, I ended up working in like a medical office. And now I'm and now I'm off uh, working for the for the government. So, oh, okay. Well, you know, you'd mentioned before about uh, people seeing uh, two children, and the, and I was mm-hmm. I was going to mention as well that that's very common in nursing homes uh, that I've covered on the show and and uh, other care facilities, basically end of life facilities. And there's a common thread of children's spirits. And, and one, one suggested that the children's spirits were primarily seen right before someone was going to pass. And, I, you know, it makes me wonder if that's consistent or if that was only in that one instance. But it does, you know, is, is it a, a foreboding or an omen or a harbinger of some kind? Or are there just little spirits running around and uh, these people at the end of their lives are able to see them more clearly. I don't know, but I know that when I've, and I mean, not to sound callous, but I've seen a lot of people die. I've seen a lot of people yeah. kind of on their last, um, on, on their last legs, so to speak. Sure. And you know what? Sometimes they're just talking to people. Right. They're just talking to people that you can't see. Mm-hmm. And we just kind of came to the understanding that, you know what, they're probably either, they could either be making amends, they could be maybe, you know, just, they're just wanting to get everything ready to make that next final step to wherever, to wherever that might be, whether, whether, whether there is, whether you're going to the hereafter or or wherever, right? Yeah. Sometimes I think their their loved ones show up to bring them home. Yeah. I mean, those are all mm-hmm. very possible. And and of course we we don't know because we can't see and experience those things through their eyes. But I I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. and comforting thought that you know perhaps our loved ones do come to bring us home when it's t- when it's time. So what a beautiful thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. I'll tell you what, Tony, you've had some incredible experiences. And, and again, I'm, I'm really grateful that you came on the show to share them with not only me, but our listeners. I, I'm sure many of the people out there listening are going to... All gonna, right, everybody, that's going to wrap it up for us some today. Of so hope you guys sure. enjoyed the show. That, and thank you again I get emails so much for all your love and health care and share, share their stories. And follow the Paranormal 
Portal, probably the easiest way is to head over to ParanormalPortal.net. Yeah, well, well, thank you for having and me. I do that's the homepage for the Paranormal and, uh, Portal, and you'll find links an to all of our different social media and, likewise, sir, it's and been my uh, pleasure. sites thank you and so information about the shows, for, uh, not only including the shows, our YouTube channel, and which is YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. Yes, well, well, thank you for having or me. Or just look for Paranormal it. Portal on, on Google or whatever search engine, and you'll find links to our social media, such as Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and uh, Twitter. So we're kind of all over the place and uh, we're spreading as, as well as we can. But anyway, thank you so much for the love and support. Y'all take care and remember, we love y'all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other, help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Until next time.